Hello and welcome to Real Professional, the podcast where real professionals have really professional conversations. I'm DreadXP Rock on Tour Jan Solstrom, today joined by Abby Smith, aka Scruncho. Say hi, Abby. Hello. And by DreadXP Head of Production, Ted Hinchke. Say hi, Ted. Thank you all for being here today. It's lovely to, to see you all and hear from you all and all that stuff. Our guest today is the incomparable Carlos Coronado of Horror Tales, The Wine, and others. Say hi, Carlos. Hi. Uh, thanks for stepping by. So, I'm really happy to have Abby on today, and I think it's going to be a good day, so DJ, drop that sick beat. their gamer safety update me very unsafe lately so let's get into this okay so one of our discord users and i'll, I'll call him out it's zach it's our good friend zach um he was telling me that he has been drinking g fuel forever for like energy during work and i thought this is a, a dumb thing that i could get in on because i love dumb video game marketing so i bought a, a little tub they call them tubs of g fuel and I started to do some research after I had made this purchase, of course, because that's how you do. And uh, there are a lot of posts on the internet of people like, are you supposed to piss this much? Like, that's pretty much the gist of it. It's like headaches and pissing. Uh, I've not had that situation, but I think it's very oh. funny that the, the number, like the two number one things that people report are pissing too much and headaches. I uh, I normally piss about eight times a day. So what's a lot? Like, what is meant to be too much piss i think for normal people eight times in a day is is too much have you been drinking g fuel no but i haven't checked my sugar in like 10 years and i eat like a box of donuts a day so is that a problem no you're good you're you're only 31 years old you're you're good yeah, you got like at least two years left of, of like good living um no i uh <laughs> i i can't i i've actually heard that uh, the like the chance for G Fuel to give you a headache and make you piss your brains out like 12 times a day is directly proportional to how much money they give you for sponsorships. I, I'm, I'm kind of angling now with... I, I enjoy the G Fuel. I know it's such a... So what, what would the kids call it? Cringe? They'd say it was cringe that I enjoy some G Fuel. Um, but I'm really angling for that sponsorship. So hit me up, G Fuel. I'll, I'll design a flavor that tastes absolutely awful. We're we're actually uh, we're taking a new aggressive uh, sponsorship strategy where we're basically it's like mutually assured destruction of sponsorship. So like unless you sponsor us, we will continue to like give negative health reports on your products. So uh, I actually NordVPN it uh, leaked my nudes. So it's going to continue to have done that until they pay us. I'll get into G Fuel when they make a dill pickle flavor. Um, they're very close. Are they already? Yeah, aren't they already dill pickle flavored? They have a Sonic Special Edition chili dog flavor, and there's a big disclaimer at the top of the page that says, Warning, this actually tastes like chili dogs. We're sorry. Yeah, that's pretty dope. Like, I can't imagine, like, what combination of science, like, created that. But, like, can you, like, okay, have you ever thought about, like, the things that we've done for flavor science because we're all a bunch of fat pieces of shit like if that was applied towards anything else we'd have like clones like we, we would be able to time travel like our ability to like oh like we can't cure the common cold but we can make powder taste like chili dogs like that's amazing we had to like figure out which chemicals not only could we eat safely but like could be combined together to replicate that flavor like, I've often, I've often thought about this in terms of, like, nuclear power, right? Like, we have the ability to annihilate the planet with nuclear power. Like, like nuclear bombs. Nuclear power is actually probably, like, a better green fuel, but whatever. I don't want to get into that debate. But, like, we also can't, like, fix bones right without making them all, like, kind of crookedy. Like, but we, we have harnessed the power of an atom so that it can, like, be pushed over the point of fission to blow up an entire country. But we haven't figured out how to, like, 
you know, like I said, cure the common cold. Well, it's kind of nuts, isn't it? Like the direction our science goes. Yeah, the Nobel Prize Committee is currently sipping on chili dog flavored G Fuel, shaking their heads and saying, I don't respect it, but it is amazing. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, there's nothing like that. The, 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 there's nothing that encapsulates the mentality of that, like, you know, World War II era, that World War I into World War II era, then the culmination being creating a fireball that can consume all life on Earth. But in the modern zeitgeist of that, with our modern capitalist trend, it's to create a powder that tastes like chili dog and makes you piss until you die. <laughs> yeah, this, this sponsorship plan's working. Carlos, what's, uh, what's your energy drink of choice on those long nights coding? I actually only drink black coffee. I, I actually, I, in, in the meantime you were talking, I was looking for G full on Google and what the fuck is this? Like, I, I, I was expecting, I was expecting like some kind of Red Bull or something like that. But the, the, this, for the, for the images that I'm getting in Google, you know, like uh, the, the protein that the people that are, are, are very hard to work out in the gym. They, they, they eat like this powder protein. This look yeah. like that, but for gamers, like <laughs> street like that. Yeah, it's it's pre workout for gamers. <laughs> Can you please make a DLC for Horror Tales, the, the G Fuel? <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, in 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 the next hotel, I, I'm going to to put a you know a, a small physics object that you can interact with. That is going to be a bottle of this shit for sure. I would definitely stick to black coffee. Just saying, stay on the healthy side. I'll see you there, Carlos. Yeah, I mean it's yeah, amazing. It, it's good. Like in a, 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 every time I went to America, coffee it's like. Very watery. I, I like like espresso, no sugar, and straight in. Activated for the whole day. Where, where in America yeah. have you been, though? Uh, I've been in GDC in San Francisco, and I've been to Epic Games in Raleigh in North Carolina. Okay, well, Raleigh is not going to have great coffee, but I can't believe you couldn't find good coffee in San Francisco, because they got those like black sludge coffee places. I like that kind of coffee, too. Like I usually drink... Like really, like straight espresso or you know black coffee with no yeah. additives or anything. Yeah, I mean maybe it was because it was inside the GDC, the the Games Developers Conference. Well, so yeah, maybe not the not the best coffee there, maybe. No, definitely not. Yeah, I like really really strong coffee too. Um, but I have to pay a fortune to get it. He likes her mocha frappuccino with five pumps, whatever. I remember you were like, the order you had. I did at, not uh, have a frappuccino. I okay, had five yeah. shots of espresso with oh, a you? specific kind. Yes, I did. Every single time I get oh five gosh. shots of espresso. And then yeah. I add, I add like some sort of uh, like, uh, it, it, usually it's in a, an Americano form because it saves me money. And then I get some sort of like uh, pump, like a pump of white mocha in there. To uh -huh. give it some thickness. Used to work at a Starbucks. So yeah, you got a so really specific drink order. Yeah, I know all the hats. It was very specific. She had to text it to me. She was like, "I don't trust you to remember this." It well, even the Starbucks people mess it up because it's very specific. Um, but since I did work at Starbucks, I know like all the the little hacks and like exactly what I like. So it's nice you can just plug it into the app. But when I go to other coffee places, it's a it's a little harder to to actually get something that's strong enough for me um, without paying a fortune. Trying to like, oh yeah, I'll do five shot decaf iced Americana with three pump of dark caramel and heavy cream. I found the text, Abby, after 17 images of you sending me memes of you looking disapprovingly. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, occasionally, yeah, occasionally I'll spoil myself and get the dark caramel, but uh, usually it's the white mocha. Okay, sorry, we've derailed the conversation enough, Abby. Jesus. <laughs> you talk about coffee and I get all excited. And then we talk about G Fuel and I'm like, ah, not as, not as exciting. So, Abby, oh. Ted, did either of you play Horror Tales The Wine? I reviewed it. I mean, I, I did my due diligence. I have, yes. I have played Horror Tales The Wine. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, talk about, like, that game just, like, can, can we just for a second talk about how pretty that game is? Like, 
sometimes I would just get caught like looking at the surrounding like areas and 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 I'd forget I was playing a game. It just it just looks so pretty. Well, thank you. Uh, actually, that's uh, that's totally done on, on purpose because uh, I think making a pretty and beautiful and colorful horror game is the best provocation to the player that you can actually do because you're aware you're playing a horror game, but at the same time it's beautiful and your mind is like, okay, it's calm, it's beautiful, we're fine, but you know you're not fine. And I, I am I, I am kind of sick of horror games taking place, you know, in a haunted mansion or uh, yes. broken, uh, 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 forgotten hospital. And and it's like, like there, there can be beauty in, 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 in horror, if you ask me. And my, my last game, Infernium, a, a lot of the comments are also the same, like, hey, this is a very beautiful, it's not exactly horror, but it's a very beautiful horror uh, game for its genre. So... So yeah, I'm, I'm very happy you find it beautiful, and the next horror theme is going to be equally or even more more beautiful, or or at least I, I'll try it to be. Maybe that your favorite thing about it is uh, that you know it's it's it does that mix of color, right? Like you're you're mm-hmm. so tired of horror games being just like the same either the same filter that we're all used to by now, or the same kind of palette of like sepia tone yeah. black, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and it, it, it's super true, though, because it's like sometimes certain games will have cool mechanics or like puzzles or something, but they're instantly just not as exciting for me when it is taking place in those common horror themes like like the, the house or the hospital. Um, so, I mean, your game was definitely a nice, it was a good, big breath of fresh air. This is, uh, I, 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 I am actually about to cry by hearing you say that those things because uh, I also teach in the University of Barcelona and one thing I always say to my students is use the local shit we have here. I don't mind if it's a uh, shit from Europe, from Spain, from Catalonia, for your tone, but we, we try to imitate American culture and there's nothing wrong with American culture, but uh, it's not surprising anymore. Everyone has mm-hmm. seen those settings. And if we have something here that we can, like, for example, the whole motto of the, of the hotels, the wine, it's based on a Mediterranean island. And wh- why not? Why, why, why can't there be horror in a Mediterranean island? It's not about the setting. It's about, it's about how it is presented to you. And, and I hope it's, it's, it's memorable because, because of this. In the game, you also explore a broken mansion and, and it's a, actually a traditional Catalan masia. And some things that are, you know, more, more similar to other settings in the horror genre. But, but, but I think it's like if we open, like, for example, I, I would love uh, a horror game that is set in, in, in African or tribal African culture, you know, something similar that, uh, what Marvel did with Black Panther, this, this kind of mm-hmm. architecture and setting. I, I think that would be so transgressive and it could work very, very well, because all the stories about witchcrafts that are set in Africa, those are amazing, and no, I don't think there, there's a single person in this world that would say, no, I, I only buy horror games that are set in dark American ruined hospitals. So, I think there's, there's, there's a lot of ground to, to expand the genre here. I think that's an excellent approach um, that a lot of developers need to take these days, and that is Horror can happen anywhere. It's a universal thing. It is not uh, strictly an American export. We don't send our... I prefer if we didn't send our horror to other countries. It's like, ah, oh, here's your spooky VHS filter hospital with PH, with PS1 graphics. Here you go. Here's your American horror. Um, I remember the first time I saw the wine sea, I had to stop and I was like, holy shit. Like, we're really just doing this, huh? It's... uh. Yeah, Horror Tales the Wine is it's beautiful and you're you're a solo dev, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I don't I don't do everything these days. I, I don't hire people, but I use a lot of assets from the marketplace, from the Unreal marketplace, and they they help a lot because uh, I can focus the hours of development in what is really important, which is the design itself, 
the jump scares, the design of the environment. And for example, like I don't, nowadays, I don't have to model and texture like 20 rocks. And the game still has personality. But um, a lot of the props are, are, are both and taking good care. And I do a lot of modifications kind of to fit the, the aesthetics that I wanted to go with the wine. But but yeah, essentially all the all the game is is done by me. Yes, it's so crazy. See, I I think that we need to get away from you know uh, some people would say oh it's an asset flip. I think there's a huge difference between utilizing the assets sold to developers and making an asset flip. I wouldn't call what you make an asset flip in any sense of the word. Mm-mm. But people have gotten so obsessed with looking at these pre bought assets and saying oh they didn't do the work. And I, I think you are doing the work. I just don't think that devs should be pigeonholed like that. Uh, well, being a dev, you, you are always exposed to negative reviews and people that only want to burn your game. Being an indie game with, you know, like 100 reviews in Steam especially. But at the end of the day, it's like, okay, like, do you want a game like every box is custom? I'm going to lose a lot of hours doing that instead of doing the things that can make the game great. And I understand that an asset flip game, if you look at it, it's something kind of a Frankenstein, because this is what happens when you buy a lot of assets from the marketplace and you don't treat them or modify them. You end up with something Frankenstein, because maybe those assets have a more cartoonish look, maybe those other assets are more realistic, and etc etc and you 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 see it you see like it's like a mix of a bunch of styles that they don't quite mix and but but yeah yeah, i i i think it's pointless like 10 years ago i i i was told that 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 i didn't do video games because i used unreal engine and if you want to make a real game you have to do your own your own game engine that was 10 years ago and nowadays, it's like, no, no, you are not making games if you're using assets. You have to you, you do everything custom. It's 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 just the, the industry going forward. But even Valve, I remember that people complained for the first Left 4 Dead because it has the same boxes as Half-Life 2. And it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Who cares? They're boxes. They are not the, 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 the main protagonist. They, they didn't flip Gordon Freeman. They should have just made the boxes Gordon Freeman. I agree. <laughs> yeah, it's a really interesting thing. Um, but I do think, I think you're right that we are just like getting further in this development uh, uh, of, you know, making games in general. And I used to be like one of those people that was super like resistant about, you know, pre-made assets. Uh, but realistically, it's like, you give you give two people a pencil they're going to do the same pencil they're going to do two different things with it and it's really about what you do with them and like exactly. how you use them and so exactly. i think it's i think it's at this point it's 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 incredibly foolish to hate on someone's game because they're using um you know assets off of uh, some sort of marketplace when in reality like we need to actually just take the game as it is as a whole you know um you know, if, if I if I play your game and I look at your rock and and I, I hate your game simply because it's a rock that you bought off the marketplace, you know, you gotta wonder what what's really the issue here. But you're right; it's 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 so silly to um, look down upon someone's creation or project simply because uh, they use some sort of asset off of the marketplace. Uh, I would say I, I think it's all based. It, it depends on the expectation. Like, if you are l- making a game like Look at the Rock Simulator, yeah, maybe use custom rocks, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's a it's a horror game, and it, I, I like the analogy. Like, the, the game engine is the pan, the assets are the ingredients, and the game is the recipe. So you can have the same pan, you can have the same ingredients, and you are going to get different results because. The cooking skills is is of course you have to have good ingredients, but the cooking skills it's it's what really matters. And with the assets, it's the same. You see them like like the like the raw product, and how you treat them is uh, is like very 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 important, even more than the asset themselves. 
Yeah. Well, it, not just that, but I feel like a lot of people that get criticized for using like popular assets are also people who are just trying to learn how to make games. So like you have these people that are making games with with common assets on the marketplace and you know they're highly criticized for them when in reality they're just trying to learn how to make make games. I mean, if you go down the itch page and you play like any handful of like 10 to 15 horror games, you'll likely run into games with, you know, assets that you've seen before. But again, like people are just trying to learn. People are trying to, you know, focus on the things that that really matter to to them. So it's it's just it's it's like one of those crazy, crazy things that people debate about all the time. Well, I think that the interesting thing about this whole conversation is something that I don't think a lot of people address, which is that, you know, a, a lot of times it used to be the case that when you were learning a game, uh, you were learning how to make games. You were learning in uh, like mods, like you were modding Half-Life yeah. or you were modding. Uh, that, that's exactly uh, how I started. Yeah, no, that's how a lot of people started. I mean, we just reviewed In Sound Mind, which is made by uh, <coughs> Recreate Stuff, which started as uh, a modder for. Uh, they they did a horror mod uh, called Nightmare House, and um, Nightmare House Two is like still I think a really really great horror game, and it was a mod for Half Life Two. And um, but the, the thing is, is back then, like you know, there wasn't a way to do paid mods, and the indie like major games were developed by a team of like, you know, 20 to 30 people, right? Like it, it, you didn't have these mega games with, you know, I, I think that the, the total number of people that CD project red employs is like a thousand and seventy seven. And the amount of people that worked on cyberpunk is probably like a good 800 of them, you know, like it, it, and I'm not exaggerating with that. Like that's, that's a, there's a lot of people that work on these big games now. And what we've seen is a, you know, the, we've, we've kind of talked about the reclassification of like AAA versus AA versus single A. But like, you know, the, the, the time where Braid, where it came out and it was made by, you know, it's like a handful of people or Super Meat Boy, you know, those games today would have to be ma- made by a group of, you know, 15 to 20 people. And uh, it, it's been a, a part of the trend of the overall raising of the floor uh, for making games where it's really hard to be a solo developer nowadays. Like it's, it's significantly harder to be a solo developer nowadays uh, and, and be successful even with all the new tools than it was, you know, even eight years ago, eight, eight to 10 years ago. Um, and one of the big issues also is that where is the creative space now for people to just learn how to make games? And it, it, you know, you have these toolkits like Roblox or PlayStation dreams um, but, you know, Roblox, it basically like requires you to monetize from the get go. There is no creative free space to just try to kind of learn. You're always being jumped into competition with people that are in it to make money. Even if you come out on something like itch.io, which is, you know, much more kind of a, a free space to, to create your your competition is people that are doing it for money. You don't have that arena anymore where people can just learn to create without that economic incentive even existing in that market. I mean, when the, when when they were creating Dota, like he wasn't doing it to try to make money. He was just making a map in Warcraft Three, yeah. and the money came later. And um, it's it's interesting because you know what the the, the what a lot of the criticism that we see now for these asset flip things, not even asset flip things, but free games, you know, people, the people that go and give a negative review to free games are evil. But, uh, you know, and that's the thing is that like, where is someone supposed to go to do those? I'm just learning games and it doesn't really exist. And, and that, and that's a symptom of the overall kind of and, and part and symptom and part of the raising of the floor of the cost of, of indie game development. I know that was a long point, but I hope it made sense. It, it makes total sense. Uh, actually, uh, my first uh, release project was Barcelona. It was a, a, a modded campaign for Left 4 Dead 2. And it is still nowadays my most successful product with, uh, I think it's 4 million downloads. It is crazy. But uh, it's a mod and it's amazing because I wanted to do environments and I, I got this game and then I make the environments. I don't have to do everything, the, the artificial intelligence, the whatever, the, the whatever, the whatever, the whatever, right? So we've lost that. Because even like uh, with the release of uh, Back for More, uh, it doesn't have modding. Or I don't know if 
it's been a long time since we get like a major game with modding. And what what happens is that people say, okay, no modding. I will make my own game, my small game, but I'll do it all myself. And then you cannot specialize in the area you you like. Because modding is, is amazing because you, you have the assets of a game and just buy something new with it. The Lego, the Lego pieces are there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you that people that, 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 that give a bad review to free games are like, they don't know the effort behind like every, everything in a game. Like yeah. even the most little thing take, take, takes a lot of time to make, uh, and to make good. So, so yeah, evil, evil, evil people. Yeah, I mean, the only game I can think of that had modding tools, re- well, there's there's some that have modding tools, but, like, you know, robust modding tools uh, was the Warcraft 3 uh, Reforged, but they fucked themselves in right in the foot with that one. Uh, I invented a new phrase, fucked themselves in the foot, uh, by Great making it time. so that they owned all the mods on the platform. I mean, it just killed any incentive that people had to make mods. It's like, oh, if we want to exploit this mod and make people pay for it and turn it into a full game, it's ours. And it's like, that's so against the spirit of modding, you know? And you know the only reason I mean, they did that is because Dota came from Warcraft, so... And it's also the fault of Unreal Engine and Unity because, okay, I want to do game development, and I'm starting, and I'm like, hmm, I can do dreams, I can learn dreams, I can learn whatever, or I can actually learn Unity or Unreal Engine and eventually earn money with that. And it's... It's very juicy because the, the the tools are very approachable. They're free. Everyone can use them. And, you know, like, it's amazing that we can use the same tool that Fortnite is built on with the right. same features. Like, exactly. And, and that's, that's something huge that is happening in the, in the, in the industry right now. And then we have to, the, we have to go to the other side of that, which is like, I actually like that people don't know that I'm a solo developer. Like I got the, a lot of reviews, like and they're like, "Hey, congratulations to the team!" Because I think that when you're judging a paid game, you are actually uh, it doesn't matter the size of the team; it doesn't matter. But because you're you're getting a product, but I think it's really unfair. Like I, I have a lot of reviews comparing Hortense the One with Resident Evil, and it's like, mm, okay. Do you know that Resident Evil costs like 70 euros? <laughs> My game yeah. costs like 12 euros? Like, what the fuck are you doing? It's obviously it's going to be worse, but it's it, it's like a fraction of the price. What are you comparing? It's different products. Like, the, I, I'm not even trying to compete with Resident Evil. Why are you doing that? And I think that's very, very unfair with 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 indie games. And the other thing that a lot of people complain about the wine was that uh, some people don't like horror, but they don't like to the sections where, you, you know the sections in the wine where you, have, where you have to solve puzzles and the puzzles are easy, mm-hmm. but there's someone chasing you. So you mm-hmm. become like nervous and anxiety goes through the roof and that. And I guess people just want the jump scare. They don't want the, 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 the pressure and the constant pressure. And, and I think it's a shame because I think that's one of the selling points of the wine, that it, it, there's not that many games that do horror and puzzles at the same time. Usually all the horror games, they are like this, the horror section and the puzzle section. The horror section right. and the puzzle section. And I, I, I think that like I'm going to keep doing that for my next games, but uh, I don't know. I feel like if there's something new, maybe you don't like it, but you say, hey, it's, it's not for me, but I appreciate it because it's something new. And this is the current state of the of the indie industry. Like, it's not only in horror games, but it, it, it's we're living in interesting times because people have gotten, like, adapted to what an indie horror game or indie game is. And... You know, sometimes you're afraid of doing innovation while while being an indie, and that, that's kind of scary because that's why you're an indie, right? And I think I just went totally off topic. <laughs> but oh, no, that's great. <laughs> well, uh, considering the you know the uh, survival horror aspect that you say some people don't like, if if I'm not mistaken, there is it is tagged as survival horror on Steam. So uh, just saying. 
It's, it's it's one of those things. I really loved those sections in the wine where you've got this headless bastard chasing you around and you're trying to solve a puzzle. Um, I, I did after about an hour, um, combined on puzzles. Uh, it went from being really tense to where I had to try to like chill myself out about it. And mm -hmm. I do like that, that it just makes like a slapping sound whenever it catches you. Yeah. So it's like, ah, oh, just get slapped down if I don't solve this puzzle correctly. <laughs> but I really liked that aspect of it. I can see where people would say, I, I don't like doing this. I just want something to jump out in my face but not actually be a threat. Um, and I think that comes down to horror being so subjective. Everybody has a different idea of what's scary. Um, but I feel like it'd be a pretty universal feeling trying to solve a puzzle while a corpse is trying to slap you to death. But I guess I'm wrong there. But I, I think it's amazingly well done. Uh, maybe thank you. they viewed the title as a call to action <laughs> get it oh the God. wine they're whining about the game <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, like in in my in my humble opinion like it's okay if, if you don't like the kind of horror that the wine um uh, that the, the the game itself proposes, it's totally okay. It's very subjective horror. I think that this industry in general is missing. Like, okay, this is not for me, but I think it's good. You 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 can you can you can you can not love something and still think it's good. It happens a lot with me. I don't like, uh, for example, I I don't like um, Big Bang Theory, but I understand why it's a masterpiece and so many people love it mm. and. Oh, because I, I don't love it. I cannot, I cannot understand why it's a masterpiece. Apologies for the big pain theory I find but, offensive. But anyways, keep I, going. No, no, but you, 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 you get the point. You, you know, there's some products that, that are like, a lot of people love them, you don't love them, and it's like, okay, like, totally cool with them. But, but yeah, it, it happened with with the wine too, it happened with my last game in fair it happened with every game I released that they are very polarizing and I think it's it's something good because what I don't want to make is something, you know, like a neutral or something that doesn't shake you from the bottom to the top. Yeah, I mean I would I would say like yeah. I, I would say like Animal Crossing is something that I completely understand why people love it. It's just not my thing, you know? I mean, I'm like that with Final Fantasy, where, like, I have, like, zero desire to get involved with Final Fantasy, but I understand why people like it. But I'm not going to go out of my way to write a bad review for Final Fantasy just because I personally don't like it, but I understand why people do. So, yeah. like, there definitely is, like, a difference. And, you know, I actually read some of the reviews for, for um, Horror Tales the Line, and some and people, some people are like, I can see why people like it and I appreciate it, uh, but it's just not for me. And then they gave it a bad review, but it's like, well, if you understand why people appreciate it, it's not like a bad game. You know what I mean? It's just like not your flavor. Especially uh, because when you review a game in the same, you're making a recommendation. Exactly. Um, the, the thing with Steam reviews is I don't think your average Steam user realizes just how impactful those could be. Exactly. Yeah. They, exactly. they use it as kind of kind of a throwaway thing. Like you might you might like a game, but you think that the voice acting's kind of wooden, so you leave a bad review, mm -hmm. and you know maybe years later you have to work with that person. Yep, it's true. Tell you you want to hear a good one about this uh, subject? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, one month after the release of the wine, I activate. I made something called like the community translation, which is essentially I gave the the Google spreadsheets for the localization, and if someone is willing to spend the time to localize the game in their language, because there are some languages that they are just not worth it for me to localize them because the cost of them wouldn't make up the sales on those countries. And so far it has been very good. And one of the languages uh, a user made is Korean. Yeah, and it was made by Mac, a Steam user. I was very grateful. I updated the game with the Korean language. I put Mac, so yeah, I put the name of the username, of course, in the credit, everything. And one week later, he put a, a positive Steam review. And in Korean, I was like, okay, fantastic. Like the, 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 local, the, the localizer, the, the user who did the, the translation, 
loved the game so much that he actually localized it and leave a good Steam review. Fantastic. But then a week ago, I realized like he changed the review from ne- from positive to negative, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, like th- this person took the time to translate like I think it's six thousand lines. I I words. Sorry. It's like what, what happened? Like the, the game didn't change. Like what happened? And I, I I use the Google Translate to look to to see what he put in the review, and uh, that was getting something weird. And and, and then I talked to him like, hey, I, I saw that you you changed the review from positive to negative. What is that? And he's like, oh no 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 no, the, the game is fantastic. Like it it it's a very very good horror game. But there was this part here uh, where I didn't enjoy the level design. And that's why I tell you, because I wanted to warn people about that. It was a very little part of the third level of the game. And I'm like, and I explained it to him like, okay, but you changing this review actually lowered the score of the game from uh, 91 to 88. And the recent reviews went from 78 to like 69. And it's when Steam put, the, you know, like the review in red or whatever, the, 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 the total score number. Uh, and, and, and he then, but only then he realized like that he was not helping neither the game or me or or the community. That the, the, and, and I told him like it like it it's totally okay with me if you want to put a negative Steam review, but it is algo actually impacting the algorithm of Steam and the wishlists are going down, etc. etc. And and it, it's exactly that. Like people don't realize how much impactful reviews are for small games it's like of course a review in a game that has like i don't know like thousands of review per month it's not going to be impactful but in a little game like horror tales the wine it's it's like every negative review is like someone shooting you to the face or kicking your balls and even 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 the the person who loved the game so much that made essentially made a feed translation from English to Korean, change it to review to negative, you know? It's like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I didn't understand it. it. It's such a, like, a crazy roller coaster, though, isn't it? Like, dealing with reviews, it, it, it's insane. And, and, and like Jan said, people who review games and don't actually develop them or aren't a part of being around game developers in general, they don't realize how impactful it is. And what they what people also don't realize is that they're discouraging people from making games like your first or your second or even your third game. It's not going to be like perfect. It's not going to be completely polished. Um, it's totally okay. Yeah. It's, it's, you're learning. And something that bothers me a lot is that people are like, Oh, so we just don't get an opinion. We don't get to just what, what we live in a, a world where we can't say our, our opinion or say something bad, but but that that's not that's not what we're saying. What we're saying is is that you don't need to leave a negative review over one thing you didn't like in a game, especially in the indie community, because again, people are growing, people are learning, and I get that you pay money for it, but I look at paying for indie games as an investment. You know, these are also some of the same people that, that are like Ah, triple A and you know double A horror. It's just it's just not really it's not keeping up. It's they're not putting out enough. It's it's not good enough. But like these are your future developers who are going to be making like bigger games, and it's just unfortunate, especially when you hear of like talented devs that are no longer uh, wanting to make games because the community is just it's it can be so toxic sometimes. I, I think you made a good point there, Abby. Um, yeah. You were saying, you know, you're talking about the AAA and the AA and people are saying it's just not fast enough. And they, then they turn to indies and they go, oh, they, they put out games fairly quick and they go, and they have to say, go faster, go faster, go faster. Stuff comes out. I didn't like this one aspect of it. Bad reviews, bad reviews. How is that supposed to encourage indie devs to continue working? Exactly, and, and and it's not like you're making a bunch of money off of making indie games. Like nobody over here is making bank off of like their their one indie game, and if and if they are, it's a rarity. It's a. I was just gonna say it's it's a, a real issue, and I don't know how they need to how they should fix that Steam wise, you know, because someone can play there. It, it's required that you get ten minutes in a game before you can review it. And 
if there's just one thing in there that someone doesn't like and they give it a negative review. I, I've learned from whenever I first started doing reviews on Steam to now writing reviews for a company and everything in between. Um, the small things, you know, let that which truly does not matter slide. Uh, there's some things I don't like in a lot of games. There are things in the wine that uh, I didn't like, but it wouldn't affect my overall view of the game. They need to take it as a whole, not as a bunch of small parts. One broken part is, you know, detrimental to the entire game. I don't think that's the way to go about it. You have to look at the whole experience. It's like going and seeing a movie and then leaving a bad review because Chris Hemsworth had his shirt on in one scene whenever you thought it should really be off. That kind of thing. Which is Dead. definitely why Jan leaves bad reviews on games. I've seen it myself. Oh my god, I did it to... Okay, yeah, Carlos, for context on this, way back whenever I first started getting <laughs> into indie horror, uh, I got a copy of a game that Scruncho was the voice actress for. And mm -hmm. in my review, I dinged it for some rough voice acting, and I gave the game a bad <laughs> review because of that. And now here we are years later. Busted, busted. Yeah, and and we were, and this came out during like one of our community movie nights, and I was like, oh shit, it's actually that person. Dude, uh, I, at least I, I, I have an even better one. It's uh, when I first started doing, uh, not first start, but I was doing reviews a time and time ago, and I had a column called Bottom of the Bargain Bin, where I talked shit about bad games on steam that were like one dollar or free i mean i was that guy i was the bad guy and one of the games i talked shit about was a game called finger bones which as you may know <laughs> is a game created by david shemansky who made dusk and who oh, has worked boy. with us on three different collections now and is one of my very good friends but that review actually got pulled from my site for being too mean. And, like, I, he didn't know that I was the guy that wrote that until, like, after we were done with the second game. And he was like, that was you? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, damn. And it was, like, pretty funny. But, yeah, you, you I was able, like, I, I have worked very, 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 very hard on kind of pulling away from that kind of dark past. But even so, like it, it'll come back and bite you in the ass sometimes because the, the world is not as, as big as you think. It, it, that, that's, yeah, it, it's true. And I was, I, when, I, when I read Jan's review, it, it, I think he was the first review on, on our game. And it was the first game that I like got into. Um, so it was like one of my first games too. And like, I remember just being so devastated that I just, I was like, is this even worth it? I was so, I was so upset. I was really upset. And uh, eventually you I was just like, you cried. I didn't even know Ted. This was years ago. But <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh, yeah, I, I had a hard time. I, I, you know, I sat in my closet and I cried. Yeah, that that's the truth. Because I was so like I was just going through a rough time and like that tends why like there's some rough parts but like it was just it was very discouraging and you know I can see how like a, a review like that can absolutely destroy anyone's uh, like focus on, on game development because it is like a hard time I mean obviously I'm still here and I was just like well whatever screw this guy he can suck my toe or whatever and you know Jans and I are friends now and, and we're cool and we're both in better places since since then but uh yeah it, it was it was just I I can see why like reviews just absolutely destroy people sometimes I'm just out here fucking up lives uh I now just I use an alias whenever I want to write bad things I'm just kidding. No, I, I've I've fully embodied the mindset of Dread XP, which is positively spooky. Uh, I can, you know, I used to look at games with an eye on criticism. What did they do wrong? What can I tag them for? You know, it was fun. You know, but then you realize that these are people, and I started meeting more and more devs, and I started talking with more and more devs, and they're people. They're people just like everyone else, and they all have hopes and dreams and things they're trying to accomplish. And shitting on that because you didn't like that you clipped through a wall wrong on one level isn't a reason to tear down their entire, like, dream. So now I embody the Dread XP positively spooky. I'm looking for what's good in a game. I'm, I no longer look for what's bad, unless it's so in my face that I can't ignore it, which is very rare for a game. But, uh, I yeah, I just try to find the good in everything now. And I, I think that's a much better way to do it 
with uh, game criticism moving forward for everyone, critics and people on Steam alike, you should look for the positives instead of the negatives. And I think in this way of playing games, you're going to enjoy them more. I have found that I do, in fact, enjoy games a lot more. I play more than I used to, and I thought I used to play a lot, but nowadays, you know, I'll go through three or four games over the course of a week and, you know, talk to other people about them, and it's, I don't know, it's always, it's just more fun now. In my long uh, career as a journalist and as a, you know, et cetera, I think that I've never met someone who does negative reviews, like uh, predominantly negative reviews, that is like a happy person, you know? Yeah. Like they're always like, yeah. like even, even the ones that like make a good career out of it, like they're usually also feeling trapped by their audience. Like they're like, I can only do negative reviews because it's the only things my fans want. And I think that's really, really rough because, and I, I feel for that too, because like, I do feel like oftentimes people are kind of like trapped within the, the demographic they create for themselves. Like I, and, and here's the thing, like I, I use this example way too often, but I'm going to use it again. Is like angry Joe isn't angry Joe anymore. Like he doesn't, he's not the angry reviewer he was before, but his name is still angry Joe. His channel is still angry Joe Everyone still remembers him as Angry Joe, and his reviews haven't grown since he was Angry Joe. People are expecting him to be Angry Joe. And, like, the thing is, is that it becomes, like, really, really attractive to chase the, the easy rage clicks. Because even on our games, you know, and our games are pretty well-reviewed. All the Dread XP games are pretty well-reviewed. Um, the negative reviews tend to get more interactivity than the positive ones. Because the people that are going to, 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 to try to interact with that comment content are going to interact with the negative content. We're just wired that way, you know? But the thing is, is that you kind of have to overcome that impulse. Because if you don't, you're going to kind of be trapped in your own kind of realm of negativity. And it, it's, it's hard to get out of that. And it's, 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 it's extra hard once you realize that, like, when you are out of that, you need to find a new group. But we're here. You know, we exist. The positive communities exist, definitely, for sure. I, when you were saying that, I was, I swear to God, I was thinking in Angry Joe. I was thinking in him, and and I don't know it's, if it's, I, I think it's something that comes with the age. When you're a teenager or you're very young, you tend to enjoy more the negative review because they are more harsh, they are more entertaining. Now I just want to chill, and, and the, the, for example, for from Angry Joe, the reviews I really enjoy are the ones that he actually likes the product and you see him happy and enjoying and talking like he means it because I, I don't know, I, I, I think it's more uh, wholesome content, if, if you can ever say uh, Angry Joe content is wholesome, but you know, I, I, I don't know if, if it's my bad English or, or, or whatever, but it's it's something that yeah, you, you start to appreciate with with the edge, and I do think I do think, and maybe this is a bit controversial, but I do think that in the horror or survival horror games, the indie co the indie games are way way ahead in terms of creativity and in terms of proposing making things new than the AAA community. Like for for me, and me people will hate me for that, but. Resident Evil 8 was so disappointing, so disappointing, and it's like, for me, horror, it has to be personal, and for horror to be personal, it has to be indie, like, because you cannot make horror where you are doing, like, Call of Duty mechanics, it, it, it doesn't work, and even the director of Resident Evil 8 said that, like, hey, we're, we're actually tuning down the, the horror and the and the scary sections because we want more people to play the game because people in Resident Evil 7, they thought it was too scary. And I'm like, you, you, do you know what your audience is? Do you know why people are in Resident Evil? It's like, but it's it's market. They, they, they need to sell a certain amount of copies. And if the game is too scary, they just won't sell these copies. And it's it's a shame. I understand the decision, but it it's a shame. I was going to say I completely understand that point of view. Triple A 
and I, I've made this statement many times before on my Twitter where I live, um, that AAA doesn't hold a candle to indie these days whenever it comes to horror. I mean, yeah, you can go back to the Dead Space well, and you can bring a remake out that people will definitely clamor for, but at the same time, it's just Dead Space again. Um, you don't often see indies going back years later and redoing their game. Just, you know, it almost seems cynical in a way. Instead of thinking of something new, they go, what do people want and what have they been asking for? Ah, a new Dead Space? We can just remake the first one. We're good. Uh, yeah, I think indie is way ahead of AAA right now. Uh, actually, Absolutely. can I can I spoil a very very little thing of Resident Evil? It's it's from the first section and it's not it's not consequential. C- can I do it? Mm-hmm. So uh, when you meet Lady Lady D, then eventually you are getting good with the game. You are getting access to weapons, to healing, to whatever, and then he cuts your fucking hand. And I was like, whoa, this is amazing, because now the game is like, uh, I, I was becoming very powerful, and now I have no hand. Like, this is going to be great, because, you know, like, a lot of things are going to happen, and I will not be able to defend myself, and now it's going to be very tense and very horrific, and I'm going to miss my weapons, and this is a very good design. Shit, you know, like, 10 seconds later, the character grabs uh, Ethan, and uh, Ethan, not in the other one, I don't, I don't remember the name, of, the name of the protagonist, grabs his own hand and with a fucking liquid he glues it back like 20 seconds later and it's like why are you making the animations and all the work that it takes to make the hand go juju if 20 seconds later it's going to be non-consequential like like and and, uh, this is not something you make because of you know fireworks like at some point in the development of Resident Evil 8, there was a mechanic and an area of the game that you have to play with no hand, for sure. Like, I'm 100% sure, and that got good of the game. Maybe it was too scary, maybe whatever, but, like, th- this is a clear example of, like, for me, that, like, triple A or horror doesn't do the extra mile. And, it, and it's a shame, because it, it would have worked so well, like, now you play with a, without a hand, you're totally, totally uh, 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 defenseless. But, you know, like, that's something that nowadays I can imagine in, I can imagine happening in a in the horror game, but not in a AAA game. Really good point. Um, yeah, I could see... Oh, go ahead, yeah. Ted. No, I think, I, th- I was going to say, I think that's a really good point. Um, like, I, I, I think that with Resident Evil 8, you know, you're not going to see something that's that bold. But with something like uh, Dan Mullins' new game Inscription, it's not exactly what you're talking about. But, you know, I I don't think I'm going to spoil anything by saying, like, 80% of that game is hidden behind that first area. All of the promotional materials for that game are the first area. And it is maybe 20% of the game. And it goes in a completely different direction after that, like, in, in ways you do not expect. And that is so bold and so cool. and um, you know, as a bit of background, you know, I was talking to Dan about his plans for the game before, you know, all this stuff had happened. And he was talking about how it was so important for him that any company that he signed with, which he signed with Devolver, um, would let him do the marketing his way because he did not want to reveal like all this stuff about the game, which is a really bold decision. And yeah, I mean, that's something you're only going to see in indie. It's also the only space where, for the most part, you can do that. You know, if if you sign with with bigger publishers, they definitely want like more control of 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 how things are received and how they're presented, kind of thing. So, I mean, it's it's really is an, an indie dominated kind of thing. And it can stay that way if everyone will stop being so mean to indie developers. <laughs> Well, you know, if people continue to be mean to indie developers, there's just not there's just not going to be a lot <laughs> left, you know. They they will take their ball and go home. Uh, that's always an option. But Carlos, what what do you have coming up? Uh, I'm actually working on the second part of the Horror Tales saga, which is Horror Tales: The Beggar. Actually, like this week, I've been prototyping 
the enemy artificial intelligence and you will fight a pack of wolves in this game and it's very gruesome because you know they are animals and when you you can defend yourself this time and when you hit them you're supposed to feel bad because they do these little noises and it's very they are actually not well it's 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 a so the next game in the horror tale saga is going to be the experimental one the wine was the classic survival horror one and the better is going to be like very experimental and one thing i want to achieve with this game is the player to feel bad with himself and be scared of himself more than the enemies and the environment and everything is is going to circle around that concept that's amazing well our hour is coming to a close carlos where can where can the people find you on twitter just on just go just to twitter, on twitter. Do, you, do, yeah, you have a, do you have a name you use or <laughs> it's it's a uh, carlos game dep everything like with no spaces or whatever all right and uh abby where can we find you on the internet you can find me on uh instagram uh you can find me on twitter scrunch og um you can find me pretty much uh, everywhere i'm on discord as well doing doing my own stuff and dread stuff so if you can't find me i I, i'd be concerned for you if you can't find abby just ask ted ted where can we find you on the internet henchkey at dread henchkey but i'm mostly just at dread xp just go follow dread xp underscore and I can be found at Horror Played, but more than likely at DreadXP underscore. DreadXP is also on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, uh, WeChat, Kick, um, OnlyFans, uh, Grinder, um, Bumble, Pornhub, Pornhub. <laughs> um, every, we're on every single social media platform, posting awesome gameplay videos. Uh, realistically, we're actually on Twitter, Instagram. Facebook and TikTok, uh, and you can follow us all of the, on all of the services at DreadXP Games on Twitter mm-hmm. at DreadXP underscore. And uh, it, I want to thank. It won't oh. get you off, but it, it's entertaining. And I want to thank uh, Carlos for coming in and talking to us. I was very excited for this talk because I really enjoyed the wine, and I'm excited to see the beggar and uh, what's after that, the astronaut. The astronaut, exactly. And thank you, oh, thank you for inviting so me. And, and 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 sorry for my bad English. It's not my bad language, but I your, ang- I your English wasn't was so, so bad. Yeah. No, you were fine. Like it was, it was completely comprehensible. And not only that, but insightful. You were, you were fine, dude. We've had people that like speak English as a first language that were worse guests in English. So don't even <laughs> worry about it. Yeah, realistically. <laughs> but uh, bye everyone. Bye. <laughs> Get out of here. Bye. Bye bye.